Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. (laughs) This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Welcome back to another Friday, which means another Christian of history and another Christians of history installment. And today we are going to, I believe, if I remember correctly, this will technically be our first biblical Christian of history. Yeah, I believe so. So that's cool. And not only that, but it's kind of an intriguing and interesting biblical person to talk about. So without further ado, why don't you take us away and tell us about Apollos? For sure. So this, the inspiration for this episode really came from our episode on who wrote Hebrews. You know, I mentioned that I think Apollos is the author and it sort of inspired me to kind of dive deeper into his life, to learn more about who he was and I thought it'd be fun to do a, a a mini segment within Christians of history of focusing on early Christians of history, whether biblical or, you know, first century, second century, uh, but to get a, a look into the life of those who were really like the forebearers to the faith that we have today. And so Apollos is who I chose to talk about. And so here we go. Uh, I, I guess I'll say off the bat that not a lot exists outside of the Bible. So everything that we do know about him is basically uh, b- biblical information. So, you know, we don't know what year he was born or what year he died or anything. Uh, but we do what we what we do know is that Apollos was a first century Alexandrian Jewish Christian who is mentioned several times in the New Testament. So already, though, we have a picture into who he is. He's Alexandrian meaning he comes from Alexandria in, I believe that's Egypt or modern day Egypt. Uh, He's Jewish. So he was a Jew living outside of Israel and he eventually became a Christian. He became a follower of Christ. And we find quite a few references, at least to Apollos in the New Testament. Uh, He was a contemporary and a colleague of Paul. Uh, He played an important role in the early development of the churches, both in Ephesus and Corinth. Um, So two pretty big churches, you know, that we both, we have letters, we have two to Corinth and one to Ephesus. So, you know, these are some really significant places. So uh, one thing that I thought we would do, which is obviously different from our normal Christians of history, but uh, because of the nature of this type, I figured we would read some of the, the passages that talk about Apollos to give us a picture into who he is. So, Uh, The first one that we find mention of, at least chronologically in the New Testament, is Acts 18, 24 through 28. Uh, The CSB titles this The Eloquent Apollos, which I thought was a a funny title, but I like it. Uh, So it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was uh, competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the ways of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, He was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he only knew John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted Jews in public, uh, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. 
So this is really the first place we see Apollos. We again the mention of where he's from, um, his eloquent. He's an eloquent man, competent in the use of the scriptures. Um, the part in there where he only knew John's baptism is really interesting. Uh, this probably means that Apollos preached repentance of faith in the Messiah. Um, he may have even believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, but maybe didn't know the full magnitude of Jesus's death and resurrection. It's hard to say what is meant by this because Luke doesn't elaborate. Um, all we see is that Aquila and Priscilla, friends of Paul, um, spent time with Apollos and helped fill in the gaps of his understanding. Um, maybe something that'll add a little bit more color is Acts 19. So the next chapter, one through seven, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. So Paul, uh, Apollos is off in Corinth. Paul is down in Ephesus. Uh, he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So if we're, if we're going to follow real quick, if we recall, Apollos was in Ephesus doing some teaching. Now he's in Corinth, but now Paul has traveled to Ephesus and is talking to the believers there. And Paul is finding out that they don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. So maybe this is some of what we just learned about, uh, about Apollos only knowing uh, the, the baptism of John to start. Uh, maybe Priscilla and Aquila hadn't finalized their teaching to the Ephesians quite yet. But uh, in verse three, it says, into what then were you baptized? Is what Paul asked. Uh, into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is, in Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. So also a little interesting to, to sort of see some of that, that dynamic of um, the early church, even some of the, I don't want to say like lesser understanding, but apparently, you know, as the church was growing, as it was spreading throughout the regions, some people didn't have all the information. And that's why we had Paul going on these missionary journeys. Um, let's see here. So the, the next occurrence, I guess you could say of Apollos in scripture is first Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians 11 says, and this is Paul, it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is a rivalry among you. What I am saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross will not be emptied of its effects. Um, so this is, we, we mentioned in our episode on Hebrews, um, but Apollos has grown, at least in his following, he, he's, he's large enough in the early church that as Paul is writing to Corinth, uh, you know, there are people here who are saying, you know, I belong to Apollos. I mean, you have to imagine because Apollos went to Corinth, because he went to Ephesus, that there would be people in those places who highly regard him, who, who revere him and appreciate him as uh, maybe a pastor, as a brother in Christ. Um, and as there were divisions in these early churches, 
Paul often wrote to correct them, as we know. And so here, uh, right off the bat in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is essentially saying, you don't belong to me. You don't belong to Apollos or Cephas. You belong to Christ. Christ is not divided. We are our one body. And a little bit later in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it yet. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still worldly, for there is, uh, for there is envy and strife among you. Uh, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each one has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So again, he's further elaborating on some of the divisions that had existed and that had grown. Um, but I think the point stands that uh, Apollos was someone significant in, in the early church. Um, and even outside of the early church, uh, Jerome, actually, this is kind of interesting, but Jerome, in his commentary on Titus, um, states that Apollos was so dissatisfied with these divisions at Corinth that he actually retreated or retired to Crete with Zenus. And both of these people are actually mentioned in Titus 3.13. Um, uh, but basically, you know, because of the divisions, they, they run off to Crete. Um, and it wasn't until the schism had been healed by Paul's letters to the Corinthians that Apollos returned to the city and later became one of its elders. Um, so that's pretty, pretty interesting. I don't know how Jerome would know that or if he was inferring or if there was some source that has sort of been lost to history that he had. Uh, maybe it was some other writing that, you know, we don't have access to. But um, I thought that was pretty interesting that the the the, the divisions, the the rivalries, the the issues at Corinth had grown so complex and difficult that it was easier for him to leave and to um, take some time away before he was able to return. Uh, but I think in 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 summary, and again, this was a little bit different of a Christian of history just because of the the lack of information that we have from him or on him from history, but. Um, what, what we can at least learn from Apollos is that he was a man with zeal for the Lord and a talent for preaching. He, he garnered, in a sense, a following. There were people who, who recognized his abilities and his talents, who wanted to be disciples of him. Um, you know, whether that was good or bad, I think Paul makes pretty clear. But um, he labored in the Lord's work. He aided in the ministry of the apostles. He was faithful in building up the church. Um, his life should encourage each of us to grow, as Peter says in Second Peter, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and to use our God-given gifts to promote truth. Um, so wh wherever we find ourselves, whatever churches we're in, um, we ought to work with the same zeal, with the same enthusiasm uh, to, to, to have a desire to know Christ better. So just like Apollos, who had lacking information, he was, he was able and willing to take correction and training from people that were more wise than he was. He listened to Priscilla and Aquila when they said, you know, there's, there's more that you need to know. You don't have the full picture. Um, and so maybe sort of like the, so what, that's something that we want to kind of start doing with some of these Christians of history, having a, a, so what section, um, younger Christians can and will learn a great deal in conversations with older Christians. Um, personally, I've been somebody who's been 
so arrogant to think that I know everything and that, you know, other people either don't know as much as me or won't know as much as me or aren't as well read as me. Um, But the fact stands is like Christ gives gifts to every person. And some people know more than I do. Some people have read different things. Um, And so as a younger Christian, um, I ought to enter into conversations with older and younger Christians, but to do so thoughtfully and charitably. Um, Because who knows, the younger might also teach the older. There are times where it goes the other way. It's not just the old teaching the young, but it's the young teaching the old. But as long as we live, we may all still need help from time to time in understanding things, uh, especially the things of God more fully. So as we are in this world, um, we may find something lacking in our faith, but it can be perfected, so to speak. It can be, uh, you know, given more insight. So teachers of God's word, especially and this is, you know, maybe for pastors, Sunday school teachers, um, we should be more willing to be taught. We should be lifelong learners and students, not only of God's word, but of, of church history. Um, our business is to to preach Christ, to preach him um, and him crucified. So um, really, I think at the end of the day, that's that's the, the a good takeaway from the life of, of Apollos, to, to teach the truth. Um, to, to prove, to defend, um, but to do so with gentleness, to do so with, with humility, with, uh, with, with power and conviction, true. But um, at the end of the day, that, that balance is important and uh, much needed. So that's, that's a little bit into the life of Apollos. Hopefully it was interesting enough. If you, if you maybe had a difficult time following along, you can just like look up his name in Bible Gateway and like all the passages he's mentioned will pop up and Read for yourself about this early Christian from history. Sweet. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, episode ideas, as always, especially, especially Christians of History episode ideas. Um, And regardless of what you have to say, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we'll see you.